And we determined that 2019 was going to be the year that we stopped focus on we stopped focusing on learning more and we started implementing all of the tremendous knowledge that we already have. Power to live more with Joe Dodds. Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organization, well-being, energy and resilience. I'm Jo Dodds and I started this show to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean to do the stuff that they want to do more than the stuff that they need to or should do. It's about creating a life for yourself where you have the energy, health and space to be happy and fulfilled, spending your time as you'd like, whether that be at work, home or somewhere else entirely. That's your choice. Hello, my name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter and today Joe's interviewing Phyllis Ginsberg. Joe approached Phyllis to come on the show as they have so much in common. Phyllis is known and beloved by lots of happier, less stressed professionals as a survival to thrival expert. Her expertise in positive psychology, brain research and EFT tap, along with 30 years of experience as a marriage and family therapist, give her clients an edge in making lasting, profound changes in their lives. From the age of 19, when she had a health scare, Phyllis developed a passion for health and well-being. She's integrated this passion into her work with her new book, Tired and Hungry No More, Not Your Ordinary Guide to Reclaiming Your Health and Happiness. Back to the studio. Today, I'm interviewing Phyllis Ginsberg of phyllisginsberg.com. Welcome, Phyllis. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Joe. And we're just uh, discussing that it's nine o'clock in California at the moment and five o'clock in, uh, I was going to say sunny England, but it's not sunny at all. <laughs> we have all the hot, sunny weather. <laughs> yeah. And you're famous for it. We're not quite so famous for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So tell us a bit about yourself, Phyllis, uh, what you do and where you do it. We know the California bit, but whereabouts literally within that space? <laughs> Okay, so I am in Northern California outside of San Francisco, which isn't often sunny. Uh, but I love I love where I'm at because the weather's nice. We have beautiful trees and nature. And what I do is I help people to think differently, to shift from survival thinking that holds them back to possibility thinking where they can grow, learn, and thrive. I I've actually been called a survival to thrival expert and a health and happiness expert. I've written two books on these topics and have been working with people professionally for 30 years. Lovely. Thank you. And do you work from home or from an office or a bit of both? Uh, I work from both. I, I don't see clients at my home. I have an office where I see clients and I work from home where I I do my writing and I will do online workshops. I love doing teleworkshops where people can just come in uh, from wherever they are on the telephone. Makes yeah. it so much easier. Yeah, lovely. I was just saying to you before we came on how I did an interview this afternoon from my caravan, although uh, we were laughing about the fact that we have different words <laughs> for such yeah. things in different countries. Um, but yes, it's my first trip out in the caravan this year and uh, 
it's it's probably it's not a really cool thing to admit to in the UK, but I have been in a field in the midst of trees and birdsong and everything else. So it's been lovely. It's what I call my happy place. So uh, it uh, it's it's um, definitely good to use technology and be able to have conversations from uh, sometimes completely random places. <laughs> yeah, I, I travel quite a bit to Mexico, and I will do my calls uh, from there because yeah. the U.S. and Mexico. Uh, we don't have different rates on at least my phone plan. So I can be in Mexico and conduct business at the mm. same time. That's yes, really nice. Yes. Yeah, yeah, lovely. So we, you, you've mentioned a few of the things that you do. You've talked about your books and I can see so many connections between what, what we do and, and how we help our respective clients. Tell us a bit more about why you do what you do. You said you've been doing the work for sort of 30 years. I'm sure there's been a journey and you probably aren't doing exactly what you started doing 30 years ago now, <laughs> unless unless you're my first guest who <laughs> hasn't made any changes. So uh, tell us a bit about that journey and, and why you do what you do. You are so right that 30 years ago, I went into therapy school to solve all of my personal issues. I thought, getting a master's degree in marriage, family, child counseling would help me overcome the childhood that I had uh, where I was an overly responsible child because my mom was sick. She had arthritis and migraine headaches and was in chronic pain. She was angry a lot and I got the brunt of it. And when I went to, uh, to therapy school, I learned how to overcome a lot of things that I needed to do. I also, at that time, had, uh, you might say, the grief that I didn't deal with when I was 15. My mom died when I was 15 from breast cancer, which left a huge mark. Uh, it was pretty traumatic in that no one told me that she was dying. As in my family, we didn't talk about anything that mattered. So, yes, 30 years ago, when I went to school, I had a lot of things to work on. And no, the, the two-year master's program didn't solve all the problems, but it gave me an opportunity to learn how to work with people, to ask them questions, to not be so naive about the world. I had no idea that domestic violence existed to the extent that it did or rape cases and child abuse and all of these really intense types of clients that I worked with during my internship at a family service agency. But the real reason why I do what I do today is because in 2005, I was working as a therapist in private practice and my expertise was high conflict divorce which might sound really awful, but compared to all the other work that I was doing in my internship, high conflict divorce was, was like candy. It was fun. I was really great at it, but I had an eight month waiting list and I was working 12 to 14 hours a day and I couldn't sustain that and be there for my family. And I lost me. I had no time for me. I earned great money, no time to spend it no time to enjoy life. So I took some time off and immersed myself in 
positive psychology, brain research, and developed what I needed to do to make the real lasting shifts so that I could be where I'm at today. And I had to share this with other people. And that's why I wrote my first book, Brain Makeover, as a result of that. And then after my dad had a stroke a couple of years ago, I knew it was time to write Tired and Hungry No More, which has to do with taking care of yourself. But a lot of people have trouble taking care of themselves because of the things that get in the way. Kind of like we have New Year's resolutions and you can't sustain them. You probably can't even achieve them for more than a week or two because you're going out of your normal routine. And I help people to shift from what holds them back to be able to do that. Hmm. Wow. I don't really know where to start with that. There's so much. Yeah, so much a lot. The journey has been a lot. <laughs> yeah. And um, it just reminds me how often we end up sort of following a path as a result of things that happen to us and, and our own experiences, particularly, I guess, around things like well-being and self-care and mindset and all that, that sort of thing. Um, uh, I, my, my dad died when I was 19, and I think that sort of had a, a big impact, but it didn't really drive a lot of what I do now. Um, that was more recent, and I've mentioned on the podcast um, quite a few times that a lot of what kicked things off for me was when my mum died. And, and it's interesting, isn't it, how it sort of kicks off a, a different path in lots of cases. Um, and this stuff isn't, isn't, I mean, it's, it's quite talked about now, you know, things like well-being and mindset, it's, it's much more common parlance now than it has ever been, but we don't really teach it to like our children and, and at that sort of stage, do we? It's something that sort of comes in when people have had trauma or had issues or have got stuck often. Like Exactly. If I had the ability to learn how to deal with emotional things, if my parents could, but their generations didn't have those uh, abilities to do that. The previous generations were totally in survival mode. Mm. And, and when you're in survival mode, there's no way that you're going to access these possibility thinking, intuition, guidance, the, the kinds of things that you need in order to have good health and, and happiness and know what your next steps are. Because most people are looking to do something different mm. and then it, it brings up some level of stress and what we're really trying to do, what I discovered from how the brain works and positive psychology is that we try to avoid past experiences that were negative and traumatizing, which means that we're looking backwards at preventing those things rather than looking forward at what we want and where we're going. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. And it's some, I was talking about this with somebody the other day about how, as you say, generationally are so my our parents no our parents parents my parents parents were coming out of the war and they didn't even talk about 
like anything really because I mean a lot of them had been really traumatized through through that process and that wasn't discussed was it so the idea of talking about you know feelings and so on on top of that was just wasn't generation generationally the thing that happened and I guess we're in a a world now where there is a lot more conversation which has got to be a good thing when I mean, my daughter's 12 and um you know my mum died my father-in-law died three years ago and you know she she was with us every step of the way with with him my mum died quite quickly so we didn't really have much chance to, to have those conversations but you know we were really open and honest with her the whole way because we knew well I I thought I knew from my own experience that if we didn't do that there would be lots of ignorance and you know things that weren't she wasn't sure about and and confusion and actually I think younger people are much more um open to these discussions than older people with all the baggage that we've created over the years like to think I totally agree with you I I think that in the like our parents and grandparents generation that they really thought that it was in the kids best interest to protect them and not tell them about death and dying and and maybe it was because they couldn't handle it and they didn't have the skills or tools to talk about it but today there's experts that that are out there talking about death and dying and there's books and it's not this big mystery anymore and it happens to all of us and you know it's the same thing with menopause like it's treated like a disease when it's a natural thing and as a kid I thought why are people getting so worked up over this like if you live long enough you're gonna go through menopause mm -hmm. um, you know you That's live so I just say it's interesting you bring that up actually I, I the other part of my business I'm an employee engagement consultant and um, our um, National Institute for Personal Development the Chartered Institute of Personal Development um, has had menopause as a topic for I think it was May the month of May so they mm -hmm. created lots of content and did some interviews and everything else because they were talking um, about how important it is to acknowledge the issues that you know women of a certain age may be having in the workplace because of a lack of understanding about the change that's happening and all that sort of stuff. Just imagine that having happened, you know, five years, ten years ago, it just wouldn't have happened. <laughs> exactly. And the, the, what I found in my work and with myself is that the more that you can acknowledge what's going on, and instead of pretending it doesn't exist and pushing it away and and like fighting it the easier it becomes and it's not this big like monster but it, it turns out that this is something that you can work with and figure out how to deal with whatever situation comes up whether it's in your health or your business or relationships mm -hmm. so tell us a bit about how you work with your clients so what sort of issues may be there and how you work with people to resolve those and, and you know what comes out at the end of it right so I deal with with some pretty intense stuff um, that's been my my career so currently I have several uh, women in particular who have have or have had cancer uh, diabetes health issues I've got some entrepreneurs business people that are just super stressed and overwhelmed. Uh, I have a community of people. We get together and one of the modalities that I use is EFT tapping or the emotional freedom technique. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with that? Um, I am, but please do share for our listeners because I know some people won't okay. be. Okay. Yes. And 
what I've discovered is if you include the body in the work, not only do you get to shift your brain and your thinking, but you can free stored emotions. You can be able to recall an event that is traumatic, a fear, a phobia, and have a memory, but not have the emotional reaction to it. And by doing this tapping on meridian points from Chinese medicine that's thousands of years old, you can rewire the brain. The technology has shown not only do you rewire the brain, but by doing this tapping, it also calms the part of the brain that signals the fight or flight response. So when you decrease your stress and your nervous system gets a chance to calm down, your immune system functions better, your digestion, your you've got blood flow going through all of your systems and to your brain, which you definitely need that if you want to be able to think clearly. Hmm. So those are some of the benefits of tapping. It's easy to do. On my website, I've got uh, a tab, Tapping with Phyllis, and an introductory uh, video on how to do tapping. It's super easy. It's a great tool for people to have in their toolkit, especially when you're stressed or if you've got some emotional things come up. And when I use it, I give people statements, but you don't have to be fancy like me. I'm not, I've had 30 years of experience doing assessment and working with people. So of course I'm going to provide a different level of, of what you can do on your own. Mm-hmm. But if you were to do this tapping and just tell yourself how you're feeling and what you're thinking, you can reduce the amount of stress and discomfort within minutes. Wow. So so what sort of situations would somebody use this in and how long does it take? And do they need to really understand it or believe in it or does it just work anyway? Uh, great questions. You don't have to believe in it because just by doing the tapping, it is going to calm the amygdala in the brain, the fight or flight response. I have put tapping in both of my books with tapping scripts. And so you don't necessarily need to know any, any like advanced knowledge or anything. But some of the things that my clients will come in for have to do with fears around medical things. Am I doing enough? Am I uh, going to get well? Um, and then there's other people who might be really stressed out about money or jobs. I've worked with several people that were out of work and needed to find a job. And by shifting their fear to where they're not focused on fear, but they're focused on what they want in a job is a game changer. Because what you seek and what you put your attention on is where you're going to gravitate toward. Mm-hmm. Funny that I mentioned I was uh, doing another podcast earlier and we were talking about uh, conversations and how important they are. And the big theme of that was being very clear about the positive outcome you want as opposed to focusing on what's wrong in the first place. So I'm having a very positive forward thinking afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, there's these 
what I call below the surface uh, things going on. The things that are in the, they're running in the background. I call it your programming and you're not consciously aware of it. But if you grew up and you felt deprived, you're not going to want to change your diet and eat healthy food. And you may not even know why you can't stick to a healthy eating. But there's probably something in there that I'm not going to give up my comfort food. I don't want to give up things I enjoy. I'm not giving up my favorite food because I don't want to feel deprived. Yeah, and that's sort of stuck somewhere. Mm -hmm hidden and you, you're not aware of it but that that's that's sort of causing those issues i can see how that sort of thing would happen and and how people just wouldn't be aware of it or and even if they started to be aware of it might deny that that could possibly be the case because your rational brain says something different exactly mm. because it's it's a layers deep under in the unconscious but it's your survival brain trying to protect you saying I need to have what I want or I'm not going to be okay. Mm. And when you can shift that, then you're off to the races to have the kind of quality health and energy and happiness so that you can enjoy life and it mm. doesn't have to be a struggle. Mm -hmm. And it strikes me when we said that we've got quite a lot in common in, in what we do, that a lot of it is about, sort of getting yourself in the best place in order to do whatever it is you want to do. So I talk about um, having the power to live more and the live more bit is about doing the things that you want to do, not the things that you feel you have to do or you should do. But in order to do that, you've got to have the energy and the the sort of motivation to do it or the, or the, the, the lack of other things stopping you, I suppose. Exactly. And I think that's the reason why there's – the majority of people that they have great intentions, they want something better, but they just can't get there. And if we knew what was in our subconscious that was actually driving the bus, running the show, however you want to call it, once you get in touch with or you recognize that there's things out of your awareness that are getting in the way, and a lot of people blame themselves and think they're self-sabotaging but I always say it's not your fault and there are things that you can do so that you can overcome those obstacles whether you know what they are or not mm -hmm. so we've talked about tapping as being one of the things that that you encourage people to do what sort of other tips and and um, strategies do you have for people in order to work on some of these areas and to, to sort of think about their mindset and, and how they look after themselves sort of ready to do the things that they want to do. That's a great question. And um, I have to say, how long have you got? How long have I got? <laughs> I know. I, mean, I, just, I just came out with my second book, tired and hungry, no more. And I've got a whole section on sleep, lack mm. of sleep especially in the U.S., is so rampant, whether you have difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep. Um, it's like 70 million people have some problem with sleep. And if you're not getting adequate sleep, there's no way you're going to function at 
a level to have the energy to keep up with your life, your business, your family, the, the things you enjoy, uh, your health might be compromised. And so in order to get adequate sleep, something has to shift and it doesn't have to be a big thing. For example, it might be that you set up a bedtime routine so that your body knows it's time for sleep soon. And whatever that routine is, set your clock. Uh, I like the idea of using a timer. I sometimes will do this, but you know, now that I've got patterns that work for me, I don't have to. But if you're doing something new, you might set a timer and say, I'm going to bed tonight by 10 o'clock, by 9.30, I want to be in bed and maybe reading a book, not on your phone, not doing something that's uh, going to be stimulating or engaging with conflict, not watching the news, but, you know, maybe reading a boring book, something that's going to put you to sleep. <laughs> boring book, lovely. <laughs> Which means that by, let's say, 9, 10, 9, 15, like you're brushing your teeth, washing your face, putting your pajamas on, doing what you need to do before you go to sleep. Instead of, oh my gosh, it's already 10.30 and I haven't even started getting myself ready for bed. And before you know it, it's like maybe 11 or 11.15 before you hit the pillow and you've been doing all these things and you don't have any downtime before you go to sleep. Mm -hmm. The other thing that keeps people awake are their thoughts. So one of the best things you could do is to either write down your thoughts, make a list of what is in your brain, uh, especially if you're thinking about your to-do list. If you don't have a to-do list written and you're just storing it in your brain, not a good idea. Every day before I go to sleep, uh, I will write down on a piece of paper all the things that I need to do for the next day. So it's out of my head. And, and those are some great ways that you can free your mind and your brain so that you don't have those things running around in either before you go to sleep or you wake up. Uh, figuring out what your next day is going to look like. Yeah. So I'm going to put you on the spot here. <laughs> um, my problem, I don't generally have a problem with my sleep, but if I ever do, it's the waking up in the middle of the night and then starting to worry about things. And I was talking to my friend about it the other day and I was saying there's something about it being like three or four o'clock in the morning. And it's almost like there's some oppression that comes in <laughs> because it always seems far worse. <laughs> at that time of the day than it does the rest of the time, whatever it is you're worrying about. Any top tips for that? Yeah, actually, in my book, I have a tapping script for sleep. And if you can't get to sleep, you can do the tapping around the eye, which you can watch um, the tapping video on my website and see mm -hmm. that if you do a little bit of tapping, you will be able to calm down your brain and your nervous system. Cool. And that might be just what you need in order to go back to sleep. 
Lovely. I'll have a look at that. Thank you very much. <laughs> so we talked about how you've developed stuff over the years and, you, you know, you went to um, learn certain stuff at, at school and then sort of moved on and did other things. How do you keep learning and, and sort of um, keeping yourself up to speed with, you know, the latest thinking on, on these things? Actually, I have come to uh, learning more about the brain. I'm reading this great book right now, The Brain's Way of Healing. Uh, I, I love to learn so that if I see something online, maybe a, a class, a webinar, something that someone's teaching, I'll, I'll often do that. But the work that I do is more in the moment and I am working with people individually connecting with where they're at in the moment and by the tools and techniques that that I use it's more important that I don't I don't need a whole bunch of more knowledge and fancy stuff I think that what really we're getting to a place of that we all have this knowing what's right for us, what we want, what we yearn for. Our gifts and talents are in us. And if we clear the, the stress, the overwhelm, all the, the chaos of our lives, we can get in touch with what's right for us. And that's mm -hmm. what I like to bring people to a place of. I find that really interesting. I think... Um Lot, many people I speak to are sort of constantly learning, but sometimes constantly learning um, as a um, an alternative to actually taking action, to actually doing something different. Um, you know, and that gets in the way sometimes, doesn't it? So, I, and I think you're probably one of the first guests to say, you know, I have enough. <laughs> it's about yeah. You know, it's funny because I'm I'm in a uh, mastermind group with a few other ladies that, that they each have their own businesses. And we determined that 2019 was going to be the year that we stopped focus on. We stopped focusing on learning more and we started implementing all of the tremendous knowledge that we already have. Lovely. I love it. Yes. <laughs> um, I was trying to think, I can never remember the word for a displacement activity. That's what it is. I think we do spend a lot of time learning as displacement activity. It's one of our procrastination sort of techniques. <laughs> I, I agree. I think that if you wait for things to be just right and to have that expertise and totally feel comfortable, you're missing the boat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, brilliant. So, um, Changing the subject to more pragmatic um, things, do you have any tools or apps that you that you regularly use that you'd recommend? Obviously, videos on tapping <laughs> we can throw in there. Yeah, the um, so one of the tools that I use is Asana. It's a calendaring, mm -hmm. and I'm a visual person, so I like to. I like to write things, but I've gone to the computer for Asana. I can have it on my phone and see exactly the things that I need to do uh, that are routine. I like to to either 
do that or have a checkoff sheet. Because if I don't get the right, if I don't get my emails out to let people know, oh, we have a call, we meet in person uh, this day, we have a call this day, we have a call that day. I have a community of people that we get together and do tapping. So I send out the reminders and the phone numbers and all that. If I don't have that in an organized fashion and systematized, then I have to continuously think about it. Mm -hmm. And once that I I put it on a sheet of paper and I started the, the checkoff sheet, I just have one sheet per month and I just check off all the pieces that need to happen for that. You know, I, I write my topic and my intro, post it on Facebook and to the groups and send out the emails. And it's like, if you can visually see it, if it's systematized, if it's the same thing that happens every month, it's definitely a benefit to be able to, uh, you, you can do it yourself. You can hand it off and let somebody else do it. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm looking at Asana as we speak, as my questions are on a task in Asana. <laughs> so I would agree. Um, I also think it's interesting what you said, um, and you've said consistently through the, the conversation about um, getting things out of your head and, and onto, you know, paper or computer or whatever. I think um, that's uh, something I routinely do and have done for many years. Like, you know, I have stuff that I need to get done. I just stick it straight on my to-do list and I, you know, work through that list later and work out where it needs to go and when it needs to happen and all that sort of stuff but it just gets it out of my head and I think so many people keep stuff in their heads and we know that the brain can't hold that much information in the sort of here and now and so it's no surprise that things get missed or people worry or they think oh there was something I was supposed to do and I you know I've not remembered to do it so having that as you say that visual way whether it be on technology or, or on bits of paper um, to clear your mind is just so important I think. Yes, and the brain is visual. The brain actually thinks in images or that stores pieces of information in images as well. And so when you write something down, you've got an image of it, you're more likely to remember it uh, than if you just thought about it and didn't write it down at all. Mm, yeah, yeah, exactly. So any other recommendations before we move on? I also like to use Excel spreadsheets mm -hmm. to be able to track, like I set up one for my podcast since I got my new book out and I've got lots of interviews coming up and to be able to put details so I don't have to have scraps of paper, but I could see everything in one place and I know, okay, Today we're doing an audio, but yesterday's was a video and audio, so I had to have hair, makeup, and wardrobe. Uh, these are important pieces. If I showed up today and it was video and I'm, you know, like haven't done my hair, makeup, and I'm wearing workout clothes, that wouldn't fly. Yeah. Uh, that's not how I would want to show up. <laughs> no, we did have a so, discussion about whether we'd be doing this in pajamas or not, didn't we? <laughs> exactly. So it's, it's helpful when when you have the details that you need, you know the right questions to ask. And I yeah. think that it, when we don't slow down enough is when we try and hold too much information and we miss these opportunities to slow down and think like, okay, 
I need to ask, how do I need to show up? What kind of platform are we using? Is it audio or video? Am I dialing into something? Is it online? Like there's a lot of pieces that need to be tracked in, in any job or business, or if you're running a household, uh, shopping yeah. lists, uh, getting kids to different activities. Everyone in life has these kinds of situations. Yes, yeah, yeah. Lovely. So moving on to the last couple of questions. What, firstly, what do you do when it all goes wrong, when you have a really awful day and things just aren't going as you're expecting? How do you deal with that? When things go wrong, yep. <laughs> I, I used to get stressed out and panic and worry and, and maybe have a meltdown. But now I stop. I'll acknowledge what's going on and I'll, I'll regroup. I, I'll sit with it and I'll see, is there something that I need to do differently? Is there a, a place where I need to redirect? Is this the right thing for me to be doing? So I ask myself these questions. I go inside and see, well, maybe there's a better way to do this. Maybe there's something else that, that could be better. A few years ago, I set my intention. My, my word for the year was ease. And I said, everything with ease, mm. which meant I'm willing to work hard, but I'm not going to swim upstream. It's not going to be a battle. I'm not going to force things. Yeah. So I have less things that go wrong and more things that go right. And for me, when something doesn't flow easily, then I take a look and see, okay, is this right for me to be doing? Yeah, yeah. I love the word ease. It's one of my favorite words. <laughs> mm, yes, mine too. I'm actually known now for – Phyllis is the one that does everything with ease. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually have the domain, I think, get stuff done with ease. <laughs> oh, I love that. Um, so what about those days where you've had the chance to live more? So that's where you get to do more of the things that you want to do and less of the stuff that you feel you have to do or you should do. What does that day look like? For me, it's a day of going to work and changing someone's life. If I can go and take someone who's been stressed and anxious over a medical diagnosis or procedure and I can get them to a place of reducing that that fear and worry and have them where they can be calmer at peace uh, get some clarity that is priceless mm. and when I when I get people to a place where they on a scale of one to ten they say I'm like a 20 <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. and I can I can get them to where, it's a zero one or two and they're not so in fear and, and afraid. And, and then I introduce possibilities and they actually can say, okay, now I know what I need to do next. I need to go talk to my doctor about these things. I can go ask questions. I don't feel stupid trying to figure this out or maybe it's not a stupid question to ask. So that takes, a huge relief off of them uh, and gives them the power to be able to take some control over situations that are 
so out of control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see how that just would be so rewarding, but motivational to, to sort of keep going with the next person and, and so on. Yeah, my, my work is is so rewarding. I can't think of anything that I'd rather be doing, except maybe hanging out with my new granddaughter who is almost four months. Oh, yeah, I can see that. that that's, that's got to it. That should have been the answer, really. <laughs> Lovely. So thank you, Phyllis. It's been, it's been great speaking to you today. Tell people how they can find out more about you and get in contact. Yes, uh, at my website, phyllisginsburg.com. You can find me, contact me, uh, see my books are on there. Uh, the tapping video is on there. And uh, it's been great. Thanks, Joe, for having me. Thank you. Really, really appreciate it. All this information is available in the show notes. If you go to powertolivemore.com forward slash, in this case, 110, you'll find them there. And the tool that I shared on the newsletter last week is Asana. Many of my podcast guests mention Asana as a great tool to use for project management and for to-do lists. I was wondering what to share on the newsletter and was getting a bit stuck until I realised that even though we recommend it all the time on the podcast, I've never actually shared it on the newsletter. I've used it for a few years now, particularly for my podcast process and more recently to facilitate the outsourcing of some of my marketing tasks. I used to have a bit of a love-hate relationship with Asana and did a lot of research to find an alternative and in the end I couldn't find anything better and I like it a lot more now that I've worked out my own way of using it, which I think is always the point with tools. They should work for your style and way of working, not the other way around. What I like about it is the linear way of planning and managing tasks. I don't tend to use the inbox or task management option, preferring to just use the full project task list. And I also use the functionality where you can create a project as a template and then copy it each time, which is what I do when I'm processing my podcast. So I have a standard template that I tweak all the time. But when I have a new podcast, I just copy that process into a new project and work through that for that particular podcast. And then the next one has another copy of the template and I work through that and so on. Most of Asana's free as an upgrade option, but actually the free version is pretty good. Uh, it's definitely worth a look if you have a project management or task list need. So again, that's Asana. Just an update on my membership community. It's really coming together and I'll be ready to launch in the next month, I would hope. And uh, just sort of doing a bit of tweaking on the website and the template that I'm using and adding some more content in in for the courses that uh, will be available at launch. So if you're interested in finding out more, do have a look on the website. If you go to powertolivemore.com forward slash calm, that'll tell you a bit of what's coming. So again, the show notes for this week's show are powertolivemore.com forward slash 110. And we look forward to speaking to you next week. Use your power to live more.